well, we're into a new season and a new series as a church. And um, I'm getting a, a whole heap of sort of confirmations coming back and reports coming back that, that this thing from Gideon is really speaking into people's lives. And so I'm expecting for things to change. I'm expecting for things to change. You know, sometimes you go through a season where God is doing something in you. Sometimes you go through a season when God is, done, is doing something through you. And there are times that you go through seasons when God's doing something in spite of you. <laughs> and those are all important, you know. There are times when, when actually God is doing a honing, a refining work on the inside. Perhaps he's stirring something up. Perhaps he's addressing something. Perhaps he's encouraging something. And actually you find all of these with the life of Gideon. At the start of this, of this account of Gideon, you find God doing something on the inside of Gideon. You find him speaking on the inside and he's, he's bringing a transformation to what is going on in the mind and in the core belief system of Gideon. And that is so often the starting place. If God's going to do something through you, he's got to do something in you. So I'm excited about this. We're going to carry on today with Judges chapter 6 from verse 11 through to verse 24 today. And I'm just going to read this whole passage. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to be spending time with this and perhaps a, a couple of other areas as well from Gideon. And then we're going to get on to the, the trumpets and the 300 and everything else. But, but you know what? We need to get hold. We need to get really straight what is going on on the inside of Gideon, first of all. Because I just believe there's a whole heap of us here today and those who go and get the download of the message and the 11.30 service, all of us and the youth and everybody put together, there's a whole heap of us that need to get some things straight. Can I hear an amen? amen. We need to get some mindsets sorted. You know, perhaps we need to get over some stuff. Perhaps we need to move on from some things. So we're going to find out here today, we're going to read... From where we read last week, it says, Now the angel of the Lord, this is um, Judges from chapter 6 from verse 11 onwards. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord... Uh, is with you, you mighty man of valor. Why don't you turn to someone and say, God is with you. Come on, we're going to say this, you mighty man of valor. Look at someone else, say, the Lord is with me. I'm a mighty person of valor. Okay. So Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, he batted it straight back. Knocked it straight back. Didn't receive what the angel said. Now, we've all said something here this morning, but I wonder how many of us have actually received it. I believe that a whole load of us have, but perhaps you're here today and that was just lip service. And it's like, well, the last thing I feel right now is mighty. The last thing I feel right now is valiant. So... He knocked it straight back. He said, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then 
has all this happened to us? Where are the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord's forsaken us. And he's delivered us into the hands of the enemy. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, Gideon, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the enemy. Have I not sent you? And so he said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the enemy as one man. Then he said to him, If now I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. Show me a sign. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Show me a sign. I want to feel something. I want to see something. I want to touch something because I've got a hard time believing something right now. <laughs> I'm struggling believing, so I want to feel. I want to see. I want to touch. I want to go by my senses, not by my spirit of faith. Give me a sign. That it's you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come back to you and bring out my offering. And I set it before you. And, and he said to him, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat, unleavened bread from an ephra flat. That took time. He didn't just go out and go to the cash point and get five quid out. Or you don't get fives out of a cash point now, do you? Tens, twenties, whatever, come back five minutes later. He had to go get a goat and kill it and do whatever he did to it and prepare it. He really put his heart into this thing. And it says the meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to them, take the meat and the unleavened bread, lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so and the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose up out of the rock and consumed the meat, the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived... <laughs> How Gideon perceived, I love this, the light bulb went on, bing. You seen those cartoons? Ding! Revelation moment. The light went on, he perceived it was the angel of the Lord and Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face and the Lord said to him, peace be with you, do not fear, you're not going to die. That's good news. How many of you know it's a good day when God turns up and says you're not going to die? <laughs> So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and he called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Lord is wholeness. We've just done a whole series about the glory of God and about the peace of God. Well, this is one place where Jehovah Shalom comes from. The Lord is your wholeness. The Lord is your peace. This is the beginning of the incredible raising up of one of Israel's greatest deliverers. This is where it happens. We found out last week and the week before that there's already a history to Gideon. He's already somebody who's got that attitude on the inside. You may be getting everybody else's harvest, but you're not stealing mine. Can I hear an amen? You're not getting hold of my stuff. You're not going to steal from me. What a great attitude to have. But even though he had that sort of guts on the inside, and I like a bit of guts, you know. I like, I like that sort of feeling where someone says, you know what, I'm going to run this race to win. But it's, oh, 
the first thing, which is great, is that he had that sort of grit on the inside. But we're finding out here it's really only skin deep. It doesn't go all the way through him. It's there in his flesh. It's there in his mindset. It's there in his, I'm going to win. But actually on the inside, what he really believed about himself was something very different. And how many of you know when you're acting one way, but you really believe something different, you're not in a great place of strength? You see, how we come across on the outside can be very different from who we are on the inside. Man, I've gone straight for it this morning, haven't I? <laughs> how we are on the outside. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. But on the inside... Where's the miracles? Why is this happening to me? This is what's going on with Gideon. But this is the start of God raising up one of the greatest deliverers that Israel had. He's mentioned in Hebrews as a man of faith. It's a, it's a fantastic example about how God can deliver by many or by few. It's a wonderful example. Here's Gideon, weak, insignificant, insecure, questioning Gideon. And yet by the end of the story, we find out that he comes through into a whole different place of winning. The extent of his dream at this point was self-protection. I'm just going to survive. I will survive. I'm just going to get through this. I'm not interested in the big picture. Forget the bigger, the wider family. I'm just going to come to church. I'm going to get through this. And I'm going to go home. And one day I'm going to meet Jesus. But I, I, I just haven't got the strength. I haven't got the vision. I haven't got the dream to take on anything else. You see, I believe God wants a people who's not just mindset um, you know, their, their thoughts and their mindset is not just on themselves, but on a deliverance for a wider situation. To bring other people through. To bring other people through into a relationship with Jesus. To bring other people through into healing or into abundance. Not just, I want to get it for myself. I want to protect my own thing and I'm going to stand and having done all to stand, stand and I'm going to believe and I'm going to receive. You see, I'm a, I'm a faith guy. You know, we're a, a faith sort of a church. We sort of stand on the Word of God but faith was never meant to be for me and my own little situation in a wine press. Hello? Faith in the church is designed to be something we are equipped with to impact the lives of other people. To see other people come to Christ. To see other people's needs met. To see other people raised up out of their defeat. To get other people out of their caves. Not to just protect myself in my wine press. At this point, the extent of his dream was self-protection, was survival, but I believe, and I, well, I know from the account that Gideon was born for more. 
He was born for more than what he was experiencing. He was born for more than what he was currently settling for. Can I hear an amen today? Today we're going to have a look at the first of two issues that Almighty God had to deal with Gideon about. We've already read them. Today we're going to just face the first one, and that is this. What did Gideon say? To paraphrase, if God is real, if his promises are true, then why am I living in this mess? In that statement, he had three issues. Number one, why has this happened to me? What's going on? Why is this happening to me? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever felt that? Have you ever said that? Have you ever offloaded to God or to someone else? Why? Why is this happening to me? Number two, where are the miracles? <laughs> Where's the miracles? We prayed, nothing happened. Where's the power of God in all of this? And the third one is, God's left me alone. God's left me alone. I'm all on my own in this. Where's God when you need him? Ha, ha, ha. These three statements that I've just made in the context of if God is real, his promises are true, why am I living in this mess? These three things have to be the three greatest challenges for people who are trying to find God. How many times have I been asked that question? If God is real, why is there a tsunami? If God is real, why is there a famine? If God is real, why is there such a mess in the earth today? If God's a God of love, why is there so much abuse? Why is there so much hatred in the world today? If God, if God, he could just click his fingers and set everything free. He could put everything straight. Have you ever been faced with some of those challenges from people? That's about three of us right now. There are three barriers, and I'm going to say this, that the enemy will use time and time again to prevent a person from receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, the interesting thing is here we have a believer who's facing these issues. How much more do the world face them? When we're saying, hey, we believe in a God of love and perhaps you're here today and you're thinking, what is going on here? I've never been to a church like this where they're excited or, or perhaps you're going, you know what? Here you are saying, you know, Jesus is Lord, but what about all the other religions? And, you know, it's religion that's caused the mess in the world today. You know, perhaps you've got all sorts of questions in your mind. Well, I'm not going to presume to be able to answer all of your questions this morning. That's just absurd. But what I do want to do is perhaps try to bring some order and bring some thoughts into the middle of those three greatest challenges. Why has this happened to me? Where are the miracles? If God is real God, he could just do something, surely. And God has left me alone. These three challenges are the three challenges which the enemy will use to stop Christians dead in their tracks. You know, Christians get so far in their life, perhaps they go through a crisis, perhaps they've had an ongoing situation and they come to the point where they say, enough's enough, not in a positive way, but in a, uh, I, I just can't do this anymore. I'm, not, I'm just not doing this. I can't take the pressure. 
I'm not doing this. I've been standing and expecting a breakthrough and the breakthrough hasn't come. I'm sitting in the wine press. I'm in my cave and I shouldn't be living in a cave. I shouldn't have this. That word should is really not a good word. It's not a helpful word for believers. This shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be sick. You shouldn't have struggling in your finances. It's not a helpful word. The devil wants to keep us at a standstill, unable to move on. And so often he does that with unanswered questions in our lives. We reach a certain point in our life and a question comes up that is life-changing. That's impacting. It's like, unless I answer this, I can't move on. Unless you can answer for me why X, Y, and Z, then my whole salvation is in question. I'm just not going to do this anymore because this question is a problem to me. And this is where Gideon was and this is certainly where the people of Israel had come to. Am I touching some nerves here today? Is that, I don't want to set anybody off here. But I want to, you know, I want to try to deal with some stuff today, which is where people live. Is that all right? Number one, why has this happened to me? We could say it like this. Why do bad things happen to good people? We could say it like this. Why do good things happen to bad people? Hello? What about this? I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I've never hurt anybody. Never robbed a bank. I've worked hard all my life. I'm nice to my wife. I'm good to my husband. I do what I can for my kids. I don't tell lies. I try to keep everything right. And yet, look. <laughs> Look at what I've got. Ever been there? Come on, you're not talking to me very much this morning. I know this is a little bit more like a fireside chat today. I might get the table up and the chair up in the second service. I don't know. What the flip is happening? Come on, why didn't it happen to them? Because they're a tow rag. I know how they treat their family. I know he's stealing from the till. I know he doesn't keep the speed limit. I'd like to say, so what? But let's not go there. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Some of our standards are different from other of our standards, depending on who we are. But oh, let's not get into judgmentalism this morning. Well, you know what? There is no easy short answer to such a huge question. There is no easy answer. And I'm going to, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not going to pretend for us to leave here today with all the answers to everything. But let's have a look at a few things which might help us get a better perspective. Number one, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen? Well, bad things happen because bad things are in the world. Bad things are in the world. The world is not heaven. We're not in a place of perfection. We're in a place where there's sickness all over the place. We're in a place where there's strife everywhere. We're in a place where there's hatred all over the place. Now, I could go all the way back to why that's happened. That happened because 
because mankind got it wrong. Because man sinned. God didn't produce that, man produced that. There was no sickness, there was no famine, there was no hatred, there was no strife until man got it wrong. And up until that point, it was like heaven on earth. Man got it wrong, no longer heaven on earth. Mess opened up. There was famine. There was strife. The first thing that happened was fear. Adam went and hid and said, I'm afraid. Hid from God. Hid from the one who's the answer. Hid from the one who could sort out all the mess. Hid from the one who could come in and repair the problems. And the first thing that man did when it all went very, very wrong is man went and hid from the answer. And then straight after that, you have you know, creation fell. Weeds started to grow where there was no weeds and destruction in the, in the garden. Cain kills Abel, and everything goes very, very wrong. Bad things are in the world. But how does that help us? Well, at the very heart of, of who mankind is, there's a tendency to want to blame something. There's a tendency to want to blame something for everything that happens. We want a reason. We want an answer. Things don't just happen, do they? There's, there has to be a reason why stuff's happened. Even in the Gospels, there was a time when there was a blind man and the disciples said, who sinned that he's blind? And Jesus said, sin's not the problem here. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. End of question. Bang. He said, but if this guy's going to be healed, I'm the only one healing anybody right now, so I'm going to go and do it. There was no answer as to why the man was born blind. It wasn't sin, it wasn't the parents, it wasn't rebellion, it wasn't, it wasn't anything specific, it was just there's blindness in the world. We're not perfect as a planet. Why do some kids tragically inherit something through genes? Something goes wrong. I'm not a scientist. I'm, please, I'm not trying to pretend I know anything. But perhaps a chromosome goes wrong or a DNA thing goes wrong. There's something wrong. Thank God for the understanding we have today where we can fix some of this stuff. It's wonderful what, what people are trying to achieve and you know, not just cause the, the outcome but, but deal with the symptom at, at the core. Fantastic. But the fact is we're in a... a a problem world. We're not in heaven on earth. But people want to blame something. It's not that straightforward. You can't say, well, it went wrong because. It went wrong because. No, you just say, it went wrong. But if you always want to blame something and you always want to say, I don't deserve this or this shouldn't have happened to me or it should have happened to them. You know what really you're playing with? You're playing with something that we call a victim mentality. With a, now, I did a series five years ago, and one at the very heart of the series was dealing with the victim mentality. So I'm not going to spend today talking about that, even though I think we need to talk about it. But you know what? To have a, a victim mentality is always saying this, it was done to me. And all the time you are saying, I am a victim, you are never going to move forwards because you won't take responsibility. All the time you say, 
It was done to me. I don't deserve this. I didn't plan for this. I've been a, I this, either or they this, or they that. And we start, you know what? All the time we're doing that, we're not taking responsibility. Am I saying it's our fault? No, I'm not saying it's our fault, but it's certainly our responsibility. When something goes wrong, if I'm always saying victim, 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 I can't move forwards. But when I say, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for this. The reason it's there, irrelevant. Irrelevant. It's happened. So I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to own this. And we're going to bring a change. Can I hear an amen this morning? What's the second thing on this first part? Why has this happened to me? Secondly, you see, bad things happen to get you to quit. To get you to give up. Especially as a believer. I wrote this down. The devil is afraid of people who refuse to lie down and give up. (laughs) Any scary people here today? Yeah, come on. When someone starts to rise up, they become a target for the enemy. When someone starts to say, you know what, I'm going to be an answer in this world and not a problem, the enemy says, I've got to shut you up very quickly. Because if you get a sense of victory, nothing's going to stop you. If you once find out you can lay hands on the sick and they recover, <laughs> you're going to keep on doing it. But if I, can, if I can stop the first one, you're never going to try again. Hello? Hebrews chapter 10, fantastic verse. He says, do you remember when you were first enlightened, when you first received the truth, when you first got hold of the promises of God? Do you remember everything went wrong? (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10, everything went wrong. Stuff was, you know, people were stealing your stuff. You were being attacked left, right and centre. Why? Duh, put it together. You've got hold of a promise. You're saying, you know what? I'm going to live a different way from now on. I'm going to walk in God's word. I'm going to walk in God's will. And the enemy goes, oh no, not another one. Not another one. There's too many in the world today, people who are believing God and standing on the word and going ahead and marching strong. Oh no, not another one. I'm going to do everything I can to get them to quit. I'm going to do everything I can to get them to lie down. I've got so many stories and I'm sure you have as well about when you get hold of something in your life, you say, you know what? I'm going to start to be generous. I'm going to start to tithe. And you start to tithe and bang, every financial pressure comes on you. Hello? Let's get real. You know what? I found out I can pray for the sick and they're going to recover. God's promised it to me. This is my inheritance. I can lay hands on somebody. God is in me. (laughs) So I'm going to do something about this. And before you even get a chance to do it, you prayed about it. You've told a few people. Wow, it's amazing. I went through this, this series in Academy that says I can lay hands on the sick and they recover and I've got authority in the name of Jesus. And you're getting excited about it and bang, you get hit with some kind of sickness in your own body. Here you go, dear God, well, this isn't right, is it? It's a sign from God that I'm on the wrong road. No, 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 no. You're on the right road. <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> When someone starts to rise up, they become a threat. Even the Lord Jesus himself, open heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Goes out into the the desert. Three attacks of the enemy to try to stop him before he even starts. 
Hadn't even started yet. Not preached his first message. Not under the power of the Holy Spirit. Not healed anybody. Not cast out any demons. Bang! Straight in. The enemy comes and tries to shut him down. Three times he defeats him. Comes out. Three times the Lord Jesus defeats the enemy. Comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly. Why do bad things happen? Well, bad things happen because of disobedience. See, there are different reasons. Bad things happen just because bad things happen. So don't leave here today saying, you're telling me bad things happen because I've got it wrong. No, but it's one of the possibilities. Hello? It's very quiet in this place today. I know your brain's sort of, the cogs are going. See, bad things can happen because of disobedience. If you've raised children... In the early years, actually in the latter years as well, you're constantly saying, don't put your hand in the fire. You get burned. Don't lie, because it will come back and bite you. Don't be stingy, because what you sow, you reap. Don't eat junk food all the time, because it will affect your health. And depending on what we do with the truth will determine what we live in in our lives. What you sow, you reap. If you sow to your flesh, you're going to reap from your flesh as a believer. So sometimes there are bad things that happen because we have got it wrong. We've got to realize that. But you know what I'm thrilled about today, which is just a wonderful, wonderful thing, is this. We can go to the throne of grace. We can go to the throne of God. Why is it Christians have a struggle with this this thing of guilt and shame when Jesus already knows you were going to do it. He's already died for it and he's already forgiven it. It's just amazing. See, the enemy tempts us this way or our, you know, something in our f- flesh is driving us this way and then we go do it or we say it or we don't do what we should have done and then the enemy comes in around the other side and says, you tow rag. You see, you're a useless Christian. You, you know, God doesn't love you. <laughs> Forget it. Give up. But actually, you know what? All the way through that, the Holy Spirit is there to lead us back to the throne of grace. To lead us back to the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He will always forgive. He will always set you free. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that if you've got it wrong, you can't immediately be restored. You don't even have to have five minutes in purgatory, guys. You don't even have five seconds of feeling guilty or feeling full of shame. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of something on the inside, you go, oh God, I got it wrong. I'm so sorry, but thank you, Jesus, right now for my freedom. I take captive every thought. I repent of that sin and right now I step into my freedom in Jesus name thank you for my forgiveness thank you for the blood thank you Holy Spirit and now I wipe my I shake off the dust and I walk forwards in freedom but at the heart of that is repentance let's make sure we are quick to repent amen what else fourthly bad things happen because we don't do anything about it Who is it who said, for evil to prevail, good men just have to do nothing? A whole lot less would happen on the bad things if only the good ones would rise up. And that's what we have here with Gideon. 
we have a situation where the ones who could have done something about it, and there was also disobedience. They, it says they did evil in the sight of God, etc., etc. They rebelled. That was their situation. They were hiding in the caves. But bad things happen sometimes because people don't do anything about it. Now, the interesting thing with this Gideon situation is this. God didn't answer any of his questions. <laughs> None of them. Why has this happened to me? Zip, no answer. Where's the miracles? Zip, no answer. God's left me. Zip, no answer. He did say, I'll, I'll be with you, but he'd said that all the way through. But God didn't answer the question with a big explanation. And perhaps you're here today and you really are facing something. You say, I need answers. I need an answer to this. Now, I, we all know God does give answers. We know that. But that should never hold up our journey with God. Whether we get the answer or not, should not be holding us up that I can't go on with God. I'm not going to get involved with church. I'm not going to trust people and let them in. I'm not going to pray again. I'm not going to stand for healing until I know why that one didn't work. I'm not going to you know, start to give again and be generous because I didn't get my harvest. And until I've got an answer to that, I'm not moving forwards. No, no, let's not put any sort of... Uh, I don't know the word. Barriers, requirements, let's not put any, anything there that says, unless I get an answer, I'm not moving forward. Because the enemy has got you right where he wants you. In a place of stagnation. But what God did say is this, go in this might of yours. Why has this happened to me? Zip, go in this might of yours. Why did he say that? Well, because the answer I'm going to give this morning and the only answer I'm going to give at this first question is this. Why am I in this mess? Why has this happened to me? Why am I under so much financial pressure? Why is there sickness in my family? Why are my kids off doing what they shouldn't be doing? Why have I just lost my job? Why is there strife here? Why is this going on? Why is this going on? Why, what I'm going to say to you is rise up and do something about it. Rise up, take responsibility and go in this might of yours. Go in this might of yours. Can I say it this way? If you get up, you can change it. If you rise up, you can move forwards. You can deal with it, take responsibility. The enemy wants to keep us wallowing in defeat, to be beaten down, expecting nothing more than this now. But the answer of God for us this morning is you were born for more than what you're sitting in right now. Rise up in Jesus' name and come on, let's turn it around. Let's do something with it. Let's make a difference. Let's take responsibility. Whatever you are in right now, God can turn it around. If we rise up, always remember this, the greater the test, the greater the breakthrough, the greater the testimony, the greater the victory, and the greater the person that comes through the other side. The greater the person. Number two, very quickly, where are all the miracles? Where are the miracles? We believe in the power of God. Don't we believe in God's power? And we believe in miracles, signs and wonders. Don't we believe in the power of God laying hands on the sick and they recover, casting out demons? So where are the miracles? Where are they? 
We've all faced situations where we have not seen the outcome we were praying for. What is that all about? When we've got a promise from God, and I'm not just talking about, and I want to be careful here, I'm not just talking about, oh, I believe the word. No, I'm talking about, we know. We've stood. We've got it on the inside. God is a miracle working, supernatural, powerful, healing, delivering, providing God. He is. That's not even under question here today. But if all that's true, where's the miracles? Well, I've made some decisions in my own life just to lay this as a bit of a foundation. No matter what I see, I've determined to keep standing no matter what. Because my relationship with God and my eternity is not dependent on what happens on this earth. It's not determined by whether I get a breakthrough or whether I don't. Whether I get healing or whether I don't. Whether I, I have my needs met or whether I don't. Whatever happens, uh, I've decided, you know what? My relationship with God has got nothing to do with what's going on around me. Now, I believe, you know, you've been here long enough, a lot of you, to know that we believe for the breakthrough, for the miracle, for the sign, for the wonder. But you know what? Let's, let's just really take the mask off today. Perhaps you're facing stuff here today and you're saying, I'm not ever, you know, it's great to be in a church like that, but I'm not going to stand on that personally. Why? Because it's been too painful in the past. I want to say, look for the miracles in everything. We have a situation in the church right now that, that we're believing and we're standing and we're praying on and we're, we're prophesying and we're declaring a breakthrough for somebody in the church who's, who's currently in another country. I had half an hour on the phone with the pastors of the, of the church there and they're just doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job for somebody they don't know. It just what a great example of the family of God around the world. It, it, it is just, uh, just incredible how the body of Christ will rise up around the world and support each other even when it's nobody that we know or, we, you know, it's just fantastic. But there are still some challenges. But as I was on the phone and, you know, been in contact this week, the pastors were saying this. They said, Pastor, can I just tell you all the amazing things that have been going on? And I said, yeah, do. And they said, and they went through a catalogue of all these things that it's so easy to overlook the little things, the timing things. If this had happened 10 minutes later, it would have been a totally different story. If it had happened 10 minutes earlier or if they hadn't made a certain decision, it would have been a completely different outcome we would be dealing with today. If the person in the ambulance had not said and stuck with it, we're not going to that hospital, we're going to that one. No, we're going to that one. No, you're not. You're going to that one. No, we're driving there. We've already got it arranged. No, you're going there. And God turned that around, got them there. And who happened to be there? But the best neurosurgeon for 5,000 miles was sitting there and has taken this on personally. Where's the healing miracle? Right there. Right there. Where's the healing miracle? The timing. Who was there? What happened? You see, we often look for the big sign and we are stepping over. Can I say we're trampling on 
all of the goodness of God. The amazing things that are taking place. The timing, the people, the favor, right place at the right time. And then there's all the miracles of things that didn't happen that we will never know about. <laughs> Thirdly, where are the miracles? Let's make sure God's word is always on the scene because God works with his word. What answer did God give when they said, where are the miracles? Zip. But you know what he did say? Go in this might of yours. You know what I'm going to dare to believe here today? Where are the miracles? They are in the go. They're not in the wait. <laughs> They're not in the retreat. They're in the go. What do I mean by that? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go in this might of yours. Go and lay hands on the sick. Go. All the time we're sitting down, all the time we're waiting, waiting, waiting for something to happen to me. God is saying, go. Come on, look at someone and say, go. In this might of yours. You know why? Because the, the power is in the go. Can I hear an amen this morning? Can I have the band up please? Go in this might of yours. Instead of looking for your miracle, waiting for one to show up, I'm going to quote from, from uh, uh, Bruce Almighty or Evan Almighty now. Go and be the miracle. Go and be the miracle for somebody else. Come on, we should be getting a bit more excited about this this morning. The miracles are in the go. As we go to bring love to somebody else, God will show up. As we go to show deliverance to somebody else, God will show up. As we go to provide for somebody else, God will show up on our behalf. All the time we're sitting in a cave, the cave isn't an environment, isn't the place for miracles. The harvest field is the place for miracles. Lastly, as we close here today, what about this one, God has left me alone? Perhaps we've all had times when we haven't felt like God was there. God's gone. He's not there. And the more we talk about it, the more we're convinced by it. You know, I haven't felt God for months. I haven't felt God for weeks. I'm very aware I'm talking to a pretty victorious church here today. But the, the thing is, this is a very real situation for a lot of people. I don't feel like God's with me. Going through stuff, don't feel like it. It's great for you when you go, you know what, I don't live by what I feel, I don't live by what I see, I live by the Word of God. You're absolutely great. But we're not just here for those who have got this nailed. The more we talk about God not with me, the more we're convinced that I'm right. <laughs> He's not here, he's gone. The more we talk our feelings, the more our feelings become our reality. Life with God, we know, is a life of faith and truth. You know what, I really don't like that expression, blind faith. That's all the world really understands, our oh, blind faith. You don't, you don't know it, you just believe it. No, that's not what faith is all about. Faith is not just believing something, faith is knowing something. It's not just belief. You can believe anything and be wrong, but faith is a conviction of the reality of something. 
the reality of God. Faith isn't blind. Faith sees. Faith hears. Faith has a conviction. Faith knows. It knows from hearing from the voice of God. Faith is not empty. Faith is alive. Faith is full of strength. Sometimes when my emotions and my feelings just feel totally abandoned and I'm at my weakest. Have you ever been there? You just felt like, I just can't go on. I just cannot do this. It's not happening. I'm not feeling it. Where's God? Where's the miracles? What's going on? When you're at your lowest ebb, when you look back, you can find out that was at the time when something was so dealt with in me and around me that I'm stronger as a result. Because I've come through with a conviction on the inside which means no longer am I going to live by what I feel. No longer am I going to live by my emotions. I'm going to live by the conviction of the Word of God on the inside of me. If I rely on my feelings to live in this abundant life, I'm going to be so easily distracted, so easily defeated and so easily discouraged. If I'm going to live by my feelings. But when I live from a place of faith, no matter what I feel, I become invincible. I become unwavering, unshakable and unquenchable. Nothing can stop you when you walk by faith and not by sight. What is the answer to where is God? Well, it's the same answer. The answer to why has this happened to me? It happens. Life happens. But rise up and make a difference. Where's the miracles? Well, in the cave, you're just going to keep waiting. Rise up and go and be a miracle. Where's God when you need Him? I don't feel like Him. Well, you know what I've discovered? Rise up. Start to walk forwards again by faith and you will realise God is walking with you. God is walking with you. You may not feel Him when you're lying down, but you, may, you, you will certainly become convinced of His reality when you start to walk by faith. This life of knowing, to live the life knowing is the place of victory. What do we know here today? I know that God never leaves me. I know that God is with me. I know that God is for me. I know that God is in me. I know that God works through me. I know that God loves me as I am. I know that God empowers me. I know that God goes before me. I know that God strengthens me. I know that God forgives me. I know that God gives me grace. I know that God heals me. I know that God provides for me. I know that God hears my prayers. I know that God answers my prayers. I know that God protects me. I know that God enjoys me. I know that God enables me. I know that God speaks to me. I know that God watches over me. And I know that God gives me the victory in every situation. In Jesus' Name. Let's stand to our feet this morning, shall we? <coughs> As we stand here in the presence of God, what do you know here today? 
Have you got trapped in the situation of, in the mindset of, if God is real, I don't feel Him? Why has this happened to me? Where's the miracles? Come on, let's lift our hands in this place today. Spend just a little bit time in, time in the presence of God here today. Come on, why don't we just begin to thank Him that God is with us, that He is a miracle working God that He is a God of power. Come on, let's just begin to thank Him a little bit. We've spent some awesome time in the presence of God here today, but just one more time. Come on, thank You, Jesus, that You said, I'll never leave You or forsake You. You said, go in this might of Yours. We receive it, Lord, just like Gideon. Lord, we're not going to bat that back to You and say, well, if You're real, where's this, where's that? Lord, we make a decision today to not be the victim anymore. Lord, to not be held back in questions. And Lord, if you want to answer, you can answer. But God, we're not going to say everything's on hold until I get an answer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you will lead us and guide us into all your truth. We thank you, Jesus, that today you receive us as we are. With all the baggage, with all the mindsets. But Lord, you want to bring transformation right now in this place. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, just right now with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me, this is a significant day for me. I want to move forwards. I feel like I've been at a standstill. I feel like questions have just bombarded me. I feel like I'm not progressing in my life. And today I want to move forwards. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to say to myself, go in this might of yours. Come on, if that's you here today, why don't you lift your hand right now? Come on, Christians across this room wanting to move on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you're saying, come on, I'm not going to stand still anymore. I'm going to move forwards in Jesus' name. Come on, why don't we just begin to pray in the Spirit just a little bit here today and just begin to thank God. Lord, today we declare a new day. We declare a day of advancement in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for opening prison doors right now and setting free Lord, captives, those held captive by mindsets and by questions. Father, we thank you. You will show yourself strong. <laughs> Wonderful God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you say, come on, I believe I receive a new day for my life. A day of freedom. No longer will I be held back with questions unanswered by situations that have hurt, hindered, or reduced my life. I refuse to live in a cave. I come out in Jesus' name. I declare I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I declare in Jesus' name. I rise up. I go forwards. I advance. This is my time for breakthrough. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's hear a shout in this place. Thank you, God.